Welcome to the Austin Forum Upload, the podcast of the Austin Forum on technology and society. I'm Jay Boisseau, the executive director and founder of the Austin Forum on Technology and Society. And for this week's podcast, I'm pleased to welcome Eric Schwartz, an adjunct professor of law and a Tower Fellow at the University of Texas at Austin. Welcome, Eric. Thank you, Jay. It's great to be here. We've had been running this podcast for a few years, and we've had lots of great topics about technology and society, but one technology we haven't covered is how is technology regulated to ensure that it has the right benefits to society and protects us all against some of the possible negative ramifications. So, Eric, I'm really pleased to have you here to talk about this important topic of how is emerging technology regulated? So I'm going to start with a really easy and basic question. What is emerging technology and what does it mean to think about regulation in that context? Well, Jay, when I uh, think about emerging technology and the way we approach it in, in my uh, class at the law school at UT, um, it is technological advances that have the potential to be to have some transformative impact on society. For example, if you think in the recent past, the emergence of the internet as a as a tool of communication or or genetic engineering, uh, uh, and what I focus on in uh, the class that I'm teaching now are a couple of more recent technologies. Um, th that is the blockchain, particularly applications in the financial arena. So it's crypto assets essentially, and artificial intelligence as new technologies that are. Um, in the process of, of uh, being developed and recognized and that have potentially enormous applications. Uh, and the study is, how is it that, that regulation comes to attach to those kinds of technologies? What's the process and, and uh, what insights can you get about uh, what regulation is likely to be? And so Eric, when you talk about regulation in your law class about these two technologies, are you speaking in terms of regulation like we might think about the Food and Drug Administration, the Environmental Protection Agency, the FAA for transportation? Are you thinking about regulation at that national level? Are you thinking about it at like the health code department at the local level, all of the above? It's really all of the above, Jay. It's, it's how does the society recognize the potential uh, for a technology to have some injurious consequences that need to be addressed. And, and in that context, what is done uh, to address that in a, in a uh, forward-looking way. So that can happen uh, at the national level. Uh, it routinely does at the national level. You mentioned a lot of regulatory models, FAA to, to make uh, air travel safe, uh, EPA to protect the environment. Um, uh, uh, so that's that's a mechanism through which it happens. It also happens in the United States at the state level. So there's a lot, so you, people think about the states as laboratories of, of in, innovation uh, from a governmental perspective and, and states can uh, take steps to regulate on their own. And it's also, there are, so there's global regulation and there's regulation by multinational organizations, for example, the EU, uh, that can be also significant in this space. So it, there's really a lot of potential sources of regulation, but um, you know we can consider all of that. So we know how some of these technologies like travel 
uh, air transportation, uh, pharmaceuticals. These are all technologies too. And we, we have established bodies uh, and regulatory practices. And of course, those have to always evolve, um, you know, and we have various regulations related to health and medicine, but genetic engineering introduces some, some new needs for regulations, as you mentioned in your opening. Um, how does emerging tech get regulated? What if it's not something like air travel that is evolving slowly or um, you know, new pharmaceuticals that you know, we have established practices for how to test them? How do these emerging technologies like autonomous vehicles and AI and things like that, how do they get regulated? Well, the general model in the United States, at least, is that activity is generally not subject to any advanced regulation. In fact, the model is um, that there's there's really not an effort to constrain activity until there's some kind of palpable injury. And, and that injury leads to a legislative consensus about what limits should be created on, on human activity uh, kind of for the benefit of all. So that happened in the examples that you mentioned, air travel, it was unregulated in its earliest days, and there were air crashes and reasons that it seemed unsafe, and uh, uh, the FAA was created to regulate that. Uh, similarly, with the environment, there was there was no environmental regulation, uh, at least no national environmental regulation until the 1970s, when the consequences of pollution came to be such that it was creating uh, significant human health hazards, and there was a, a regulatory uh, regime that was created to address that. Um, the way that works in the context of these emerging technologies is that uh, generally when a technology moves into a space where there is a body of regulation, uh, those regulators will look at the conduct and if it's raising the kinds of issues that their uh, regulatory regime is designed to address, uh, they will uh, bring, uh, to, to the extent that the legal authorities permit, they will bring that conduct within the ambit of their regulation. So you can, an archetypical example of that is what has happened in the crypto sphere. So, um, you know, I think Bitcoin was launched in 2009, uh, and for a number of years, it, it didn't have any financial consequences. It was not used for any transactions for a couple of years, and there was no regulation uh, uh, that was attached to it. Nobody was nobody was thinking about it from a regulatory perspective. Once it came to be used as a decentralized currency, and the, one of the archetypical early examples of that was um, as a as a currency for that was used on Silk Road. In fact, Silk Road grew up as a as a contraband platform in reliance on the ability to use cryptocurrency as sort of a difficult to trace means of, of uh, transactions. Once that came to be, then there's a, a body of regulation about money transfers focused on banks that's run by the Treasury Department uh, that began to pay attention to, to Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies and to enforce the existing laws on money transfers. So uh, that this, these are the anti-money laundering and uh, terrorist finance regulatory regime, uh, and, and the Treasury began to apply that to, to Bitcoin. Similar examples in, in uh, when tokens began to be used as capital raising devices uh, uh, in the in, in 
2017, more or less, uh, when there were billions of dollars being raised in initial coin offerings. That's conduct that's sort of squarely within the interest of the Securities and Exchange Commission as a regulator of securities. And that agency began to apply uh, that regulatory regime uh, to crypto assets, as they have some, some legal authority to do that. The CFTC is similar. They, they uh, uh, once, once crypto assets began to be transacted in a fashion that raised issues under the commodities laws, they too began to regulate that. So that is, that is how it happens uh, as a practical matter in those spaces where there is an existing body of regulation and an expert core of regulators who are sort of devoted to responding to particular kinds of social problems. And, and they will apply that, that regulatory regime uh, uh, to the product of, of this emergent technology. Um, a, a artificial intelligence, which is the other area that, that uh, we look at in my class, has much less regulation uh, that's 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 uh, tailor made for it. There's no overall artificial intelligence regulator in the United States, and likely not to be one until there are some uh, some significant social problems uh, that emerge from it. Um, but agencies that have an interest in certain uses of artificial intelligence, like uh, agencies that regulate credit decisioning and uh, uh, discrimination in housing and and the like have taken steps to articulate their view that uh, AI models that are used in that space have to comply with certain regulations that they administer. So that, practically speaking, that is that is uh, how it happens. Now, there's a legislative response that may well come, uh, where uh, Congress can decide that a particular regime makes sense uh, given the circumstances of you know, what's emerging in, the, in, the, uh, in that technological space, in this instance, in the artificial intelligence space. Uh, but for that consensus to emerge, for a legislative consensus to emerge, there often has to be some serious problem that's, that's taken place that, that they're acting to address. So I'm going to come back to that AI issue shortly because I know our listeners are all aware of the various calls for calls for AI pauses, the calls for AI regulation, including by the CEOs of some of the biggest companies in AI, et cetera. But I want to just make sure that I've summarized regulation for emerging tech. If it's for existing tech, and granted, all existing technologies were emerging at some point. Mm -hmm. But if it's for existing technologies, there's very likely a regulatory infrastructure in place like the FAA or the FDA that continuously monitors new developments in that to see if uh, regulations need to be improved to, pre to prevent uh, perhaps new negative outcomes as the field evolves. But if the technology is truly emerging, like blockchain and cryptocurrencies, or we're going to call AI emerging, even though the ideas have been around for seven decades, because it's only been in the last decade that we've really seen an explosion in daily use of it. And a lot of people probably think the last five months since chat GPT, right. but longer than that, but still emerging. If it's emerging, chances are there is no body created 
that is charged with regulating it, scoped and given authority to regulate it, but the applications of that emerging technology may reach into an area where we do have some regulatory body. So the use of AI in autonomous vehicles might be regulated by transportation regulatory bodies, if not an AI regulatory body. Likewise, I assume that's possible in aviation and drug development, et cetera. So when it crosses over into something where there's a regulatory body, they may step in, but that doesn't mean there's no need for a more general regulatory body for the emerging technology as a whole, right? Right. You've summarized it uh, uh, perfectly. Um, and I, I would give you as an example, uh, the, the crypto experience, because um, as I say, there was no, there's no overarching regulation of crypto. There's not been a legislative consensus as to whether additional regulation is appropriate or what it should look like. That, that's notwithstanding a number of fairly dramatic scandals in that space. But as crypto has moved into spaces where existing regulation exists, uh, uh, sort of uh, a business-focused regulation, so like a regulation in the securities sphere, regulation in the money transfer sphere, then existing regulators have responded to that. Um, uh, and that, that there's a school of thought that says, well, that'll be sufficient for artificial intelligence as well. It's when it's it'll be applications of artificial intelligence uh, in spheres that we care about that will attract the regulation that that exists that already exists in those spheres. There's another school of thought that uh, artificial intelligence is so potent and so potentially dangerous that it deserves its own kind of uh, overarching, a set of rules, and and you know, there's a lot of debate about that and question about um, how that might happen and what the shape of those rules might be. Well, in fact, that's the question I'm going to ask you next because AI as a technology is so comprehensively useful and potentially capable and powerful that there have been calls by public figures, including the CEOs and thought leaders and visionaries behind a lot of AI research and developments and technology applications. There was a call several weeks ago, uh, a letter, an open letter signed by uh, well over a thousand people um, to have a moratorium on a certain level of AI research. Now, that wasn't probably very pragmatic or practical. Uh, companies in a competing against each other aren't going to stop their research and development so that somebody else gets a leg up on them, not to mention the international concerns about what if one country stops and an adversary does not stop. But it got a lot of attention onto the need for keeping an eye on it, perhaps having some regulation on it, et cetera. Much more recently, we're seeing a round of these CEOs, uh, Sam Altman of OpenAI, Elon Musk of Tesla and SpaceX and so on, uh, calling for regulatory bodies. Mark Zuckerberg uh, did it recently as well. Um, so we're seeing these CEOs of companies that invent AI uh, applications and capabilities. The ones who probably most understand what it's capable of because they're investing millions and even billions of dollars in it. They're calling for regulation. So, so what do you think is going to happen here? Have you ever seen any emerging technology 
take off like AI, have such fears associated with it like AI, and have so many global leaders calling for regulation on it. The people who benefit financially from it are calling for regulation. Yeah, that is an interesting feature of this space. I mean, the, the adoption has, has been quite dramatic. I think I've, I've seen some statistics that uh, ChatGPT got uh, a million users within five days of release and, and had yeah. 100 million unique users in January of this year, which is the, uh, an adoption uh, curve that is quite dramatic. Yeah, um, considering it launched on November 30th and then to have that many users in January, which is basically one month later, that yeah. was that was record breaking. Um, and, you know, one thing that is interesting uh, about this space to me is that there are uh, a number of researchers who've devoted their lives to developing this technology who uh, express, you know, some nervousness about what might happen. Uh, uh, with this technology. I think there was somebody from Microsoft who recently uh, resigned uh, from the company so he could speak open freely about- um, It was uh, from Google, but, but yes. Google. Yeah. Um, thank you for that correction. Um, so that's that's present. And, and you know, that that is a unique set of circumstances. There was a hearing at the Senate uh, recently uh, where senators from both sides of the aisle seem to be uh, supportive of some idea of uh, uh, creating a regulatory agency that would uh, address uh, AI and maybe license large language models or you know some some shape of regulation. Um, and there's been a lot of uh, work within the government to to uh, try and think about and articulate normative standards for people to follow in working in this space. These are not regulations in the sense of a legally binding obligation, but it's an effort to articulate an even-handed sense of an approach to be that would be mindful of risks that might be present and ways to mitigate risks and you know have systems that are that are fair and, and beneficial for society as a whole. So uh, there is a lot of uh, thinking being done in that space and work being done in that space. And, you know, there is some possibility, I suppose, that even before the, you know, the kind of crisis that led to the SEC or the, the FAA or the EPA being created, that there might be some proactive steps uh, uh, on AI in this space. I, I never am, am very optimistic about uh, projecting the ability of Congress to come together and get something done, but who knows? So I, I think you've kind of covered what might be done, but is there is there anything else you want to hypothesize about that we might do next that we're either considering now or maybe should consider in the context of AI in particular? There are a number of steps being taken. Uh, I mentioned the efforts by the government to articulate some normative standards in this place that are, you know, sort of common sense ideas that would make sense for a good actor uh, developing AI to uh, be aware of, a set of risks to be mindful of, uh, a, a set of uh, challenges to take into account and. Uh, uh, incorporate into the into their product offerings that that rely on artificial intelligence. There's the uh, uh, 
AI Bill of Rights that the White House has published, the uh, National Institutes of, Secure, of Standards and Technology uh, published an AI risk management framework, which is uh, kind of a, a, a set of hands-on tools for developers to be thinking about in developing AI uh, that, that is substantial. And it, they are uh, uh, thought carefully thought out uh, uh, projects. Um, the challenge in this space, obviously, is that it's very hard to predict what what will happen, and and it is easy to imagine um, harms that arise from projects that are unintentional, and where you know all 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 of the people mm -hmm. have their heart in the right place and are are trying to move forward in the right direction, but yet something something goes wrong. So uh, I think that, that those efforts are calculated to. Uh, encourage people to put a lot of thought in, in in advance into these projects and to see what happens. Um, I think one of the challenges for a legislative response is that this is a technology that legislators are not going to be able to, to be current on. Even to the extent they have expert staff, those staff are not going to be uh, particularly current on. So it is uh, challenging. And I think that's what causes uh, people, even uh, traditionally anti-regulatory uh, legislators, to think that maybe this is an area where uh, some uh, expert agency ought to have some um, reign to, to um, regulate the uh, or approve the use of uh, particular kinds of systems. Yeah, Eric, you actually uh, answered in part my last question I was going to close with. How do we expect legislators to keep up with knowledge? One of the things we talk about in the Austin Forum a lot is that time passes linearly for all of us, but exponential growth in technology capabilities is what we experience because there's a there's a multiplicative effect. There's a effect of more and more people working on something and building on what they know. We see knowledge grow exponentially. We see technology capabilities improve exponentially, but time is passing linearly. So I guess the good news is you don't have to reinvent fire or the wheel from scratch. You can benefit from great educational uh, means and mediums and methods to try to jumpstart your knowledge and elevate your knowledge based on what people have learned before you. You can learn it much quicker than the first learner had to learn it. Nonetheless, these emerging technologies are increasingly complex. You know, 100 years ago, the emerging technologies were pretty simple things. Now there are things like gene editing and blockchain and AI. So we all know we need to keep learning through life. Uh, knowledge is changing. Technology is changing fast and ever. How can we, how can we help our, regulate, our regulatory bodies, our legislators, our policymakers or decision makers, how can we best help them stay informed enough to make wise regulatory decisions without stifling innovation? Well, that's that's the challenge, right? That's that's the those are the tender hooks that they're on because um uh you you want all the good things to come from yeah. the development of this these technologies. Uh, and at the same time, you you want to avoid something disastrous that that might happen. Um, you know, uh, legislators are not going to be the ones that can make these decisions. 
but there are various models just because of the complexity that, that you've described and the fact that you know they've got the whole uh, gamut of national issues uh, to be worried about. They cannot, they don't have the luxury of, of getting a mile deep on a tech subject like AI with a handful of exceptions, but for the most of the most part, the legislators are not, just don't, won't have the capacity to do that. But there are other solutions. There are, you, you know, we talked about things like the Securities and Exchange Commission, the, the FAA, there you have people who have the luxury of getting a mile deep on on issues and to and to mm -hmm. think in a, a ideally unconflicted way about what the best policy would be acting under a overall statutory authorization. Um, there's also the solution of having sort of a, a, a forum for a self-regulatory uh, uh, type approach where create a self-regulatory organization that has some influence uh, on on members who are acting in that space that mm -hmm. is commonplace for example in the securities realm where there are lots of right. uh, self-regulatory organizations that police the conduct of uh, uh of actors in their field people who are registered with them and are themselves subject to oversight by uh, the Securities and Exchange Commission. So there, there are lots of models that can work that can develop that kind of expertise to bring to bear on a policy decision. But you know, it's a it's a complex matter, and it, that that would require either of those steps would require some kind of legislative consensus, um, uh, which you know is hard to achieve. Yeah. Well, this is one of the reasons. We have the Austin Forum on Technology and Society, and our reach extends way beyond Austin. We're very happy to have uh, viewers and listeners from all over the nation and world, and we think that there should be more organizations presenting content like this interview with you so that people understand it's not just a question about learning how cool AI is or how productive it can be in industry and business, how useful it can be in medicine, how it can make interesting entertainment and gaming technologies even better. But also, as you do with your class at UT, uh, we, we encourage people to understand it from a potential policy perspective. We are the Austin Forum on Technology and Society, and all of these technologies have many potential benefits. But uh, with AI in particular, I hope everybody is paying attention, trying to understand the issues, and can be better informed when it comes to how they vote, what they encourage their representatives and elected officials to support. And maybe in the end, we'll have an AI regulatory body. What do you think about that? Well, it, that it's I, I wouldn't rule it out. I, I wouldn't put serious money on that happening in the short term. But <laughs> You wouldn't I, bet all I, your Bitcoin almost, on it? I, I will say <laughs> I wouldn't put my Bitcoin on it. I, I, I will say this. If something terribly bad happens, the odds go up. The odds go up. Yeah. All right, Eric, thank you very much for joining us. Great to have you on the podcast. Hope to see you at future events and have you back on the podcast again in the future. Great. Thank you, Jay. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Austin Forum Upload. You can listen to additional episodes and check out a schedule of our monthly in-person events at austinforum.org. The Upload is a production of the Austin Forum on Technology and Society, a nonprofit organization here in Austin, Texas.